Tuesday here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're going to get to our week four skulls and sc- stars and skulls grades. It's going to be a graveyard because there's a lot of skulls. But before we do about that, what's wrong with the defense and what's going on with Kenny Pickett's and Pat Fryman's injuries? All that here with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Going to be a big episode. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Lockdown Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com joins us yet again for another Tuesday episode. Alan, we got to get this out the way first before we get into the defense, because that's the main thing I want to focus on here. But we get kind of good updates here on this, on this, on this, on the Steelers injury fronts. Pat Frymuth was, you know, left, left the field with a, with a hamstring injury. He was, it was a non-contact contact injury. Sometimes those can be the scariest. Uh, Jerry Dulac reports he'll, he'll miss anywhere between two to three weeks. That is a, I think, a blessing to the Steelers because that looked like it was going to be a lot longer than that. Kenny Pickett, on on the other hand, looks like they say it's not it's not a serious injury, and there's talks of he might even be available this week. I don't think he should be. I think they should happily let him rest, give Mitch Trubisky the full week to prepare for the Ravens, and let Kenny Pickett come after the bye week, which comes right after the Ravens game. But I think either way, these are both good news items for the Steelers, considering the, the worst that was feared after the Sunday game. Yeah, I mean, that gets them healthy after the bye, largely. So maybe Fryermuth leaks in beyond that. But, I mean, you're looking at probably getting Deontay Johnson back after the bye. Uh, I talked to him today, and he said that's he's still on track for that. So, I mean, looking at Deontay Johnson, Kenny Pickett, you know, back after the bye, that's huge. They have a lot of injuries right now. I don't think um, you can really sugarcoat it. They're, they're a beat-up team, and certainly the bye is coming in a good time for them. So, yeah, I mean, it's not bad news. The the bad here here's here's the good news and the bad news, Chris. The good news is I don't think Mitch Trubisky will be a big drop off from the play they've been getting from Kenny Pickett at quarterback. The bad <laughs> but that news is bad news. I don't think that, that Mitch Trubisky will be a big drop off from the play they've been getting from Kenny Pickett at quarterback. It's uh, it's a little catch twenty two there. We'll get to Kenny Pickett later in our stars and skulls grades, but. I want to talk with Allen about the defense. I focused a lot on the offense in the, in, in the, in the first episode reacting to Sunday uh, and just breaking down in the Monday episode. You can look at, look at that, but on the defensive side of the ball, this was still a poor defensive effort from the Steelers against a team that had a completely backup offensive line. And look, I get that there were definitely p- things that the Texans were doing to neutralize and slow down the Steelers edge rushers, much like how the Steelers do to miles Garrett and guys like him. When they see him, they let, like, Hey, we're going to, divides up a scheme he's not going to be the person that beats us but that put a challenge out to guys like Cole Holcomb Keanu Neal Mika Fitzpatrick Quan Alexander Landon Roberts the, the entire interior defensive line to be then be the playmaker step up stuff the run up the middle get out outside when they're when they're doing those wide pitches or be ready for the screens they just weren't 
consistently throughout the game. That to me was the biggest problem. Do you see this more as a scheme issue, or do you see this as these guys have to step up in these situations? They they were in the they 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 could have been in the right spots to actually change the game. I think it's a little bit of both, right? So without Cam Hayward, you know, the sort of stars that the Steelers have on defense are Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, and Alex Highsmith. And I think everybody knows that the way you neutralize edge rushers is to run at them. I think you know that's not specific to Watt and Highsmith, right? That's like you said, what the Steelers do to Miles Garrett and what they did to Bosa and Crosby and other things. Uh, everybody wants to run the ball. It's a different thing to have so much success doing it and so much consistent success. You know, I think that the Steelers have sort of a a personnel alignment problem right now where they have these different pieces and we've talked about the mix and match nature of their defense, you know, and we came into the season not really knowing how much is uh, the slot corner going to be Shannon Sullivan. How much is it going to be Patrick Peterson? How much is it going to be Minka Fitzpatrick? Uh, same thing with the three safeties. Same thing with the three inside linebackers. Same thing with what has now become a deep rotation along the interior defensive line without Cam Hayward. It just didn't feel like to me they got enough of the right guys in the right place at the right time. You know, it feels like uh, that they're they're holding some of the right cards, but they're not playing them when they need to. And um, I, I felt like that was the biggest thing where they were just off balance all the time when they were geared up for the run we saw you know landon roberts trying to cover and when they were geared up for the pass we saw patrick peterson trying to tackle and neither one of those things went really well for the steelers not that we should really expect them to consistently i just didn't feel like the steelers ever found an answer for what it was that the texans were doing with any sort of consistency and you can make some excuses for the defense in this game i said on uh on my Steelers afternoon drive podcast on, on Monday, uh, how many of those 30 points that the defense gave up to the Houston friggin' Texans are we blaming on Matt Canada this week? Uh, kind of as a joke, but like, yeah, the offense certainly didn't help the defense any, but man, they've been put in way worse spots than that. And, and this is not, um, a unit that should ever feel okay with giving up that kind of point total. Really? I mean, considering how many yards they gave up, they were kind of fortunate to only give up 30 points. That's, that's really, I think the final score of this game kind of undersells how how dominant Houston was. Absolutely. I'm right with you on that, is that this, the Steelers' defense could have given up a lot more points than it than it did. I think, again, there were times, and then we'll get to this in the grades, there were times where actually the edge rusher saved them. You know, pressures from Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt actually got them off the field a couple times. But that's where I'm, that's where I'm at a loss for the defense at times because it's like, those guys can't always save you. It can't just be the edge rushers making the plays. The interior guys have to make plays. The linebackers that they pay to revamp this linebacker room, they've got to be playmakers. The cornerbacks, the safeties have to be playmakers. Something that I've brought up multiple times on this show since week one was this idea of moving Minka Fitzpatrick around. We're seeing him play in the slot. We're seeing him play at, say, we're playing, seeing him play outside corner. We're seeing him do all these different things. And it, that's nice that you have that moving piece that you're able to do that with. But he hasn't made an interception yet this year. He hasn't been the X-Factor guy yet this year. And it makes me go back to, you know what? Put him at the thing that he's elite at and then let everyone else kind of be decent at their jobs. And maybe the question is, Alan, is the reasoning for that because the other guys aren't decent at their jobs and they're trying to find Fitzpatrick in different spots that he can kind of just you know jumpstart the defense? Or is there something else here that I'm missing? You know, I think it's sort of a classic 
conundrum with football at catch 22 is like, do you want to do what you do or do you want to stop what, th- what they do? You know, I feel like that's, that's sort of a, a, a classic football question, right? You're playing against a team that with a really good run defense. Do you want to, but, but you're a good running team. Do you want to play to your strength or do you want to play against their strength? I feel like that's always the the sort of the, the question about about football, and it feels to me like the way the Steelers are using Minka Fitzpatrick is they are playing to the other team's strength with him. They are trying to take away things from the other team with their deployment of Minka Fitzpatrick, and I think in certain instances that has made some sense. When you have a guy like Debo Samuel, who is this weird kind of unicorn of a player, dynamic playmaker. Like, I think that's a that's a risk worth taking. That okay, maybe Minka isn't going to make any dynamic big splash plays for us in this game, but taking Debo Samuel away is worth it, right? I don't feel like there was anybody on the Houston Texans that made that, yeah, that, that made that worth that uh, risk worth it. I, I could say the same thing the week before about the Las Vegas Raiders. I I think in these games where there is not like even if you want to make an argument for Njoku, I think you could you could make that argument where he's he's a really tough tight end to cover. They've used him in a bunch of different places in their formations. I, I get it. Minka Fitzpatrick is being underused if all he is is an eraser of one player on the other team, Agreed. especially on a team that doesn't have great look, these are this is this is the real part about this game. These are mediocre skill players on this Houston team. They are not good. Like, like they are not good at all. Like, like that's the worst running back they've played this year, and probably mm-hmm. the worst group of receivers. Like that. That's. I like Tank Dell. I think he's an exciting young player. He's not Brandon Ayuk. He, you know, no. He's not Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. No, he, not Amari Cooper. Right. Yeah. Like he's not in the same class as those guys. Pierce is not in the same class as the three running backs they played. There was no one on that team that was worth wasting Minka Fitzpatrick's playmaking ability to, for him to take away, and yet they did it anyway. I just feel like a lot of this is on Terrell Austin, where I just don't feel like he's getting the players lined up in the right positions consistently enough to be able to make impactful plays for this defense. I'm actually right with you on that. I, I think that, and I think things can be adjusted, but it's clear that like guys aren't even comfortable with where they're at. Like there's times you see them like lo- looking in the wrong places late, like, Oh snap, I was supposed to be over there. And some of that is are, are you know, guys that are new on teams gelling with each other. Like, you know, there was one play where CJ Stroud busted to the outside because DeMarvin Leal, he stunted inside and Montrevious Adam didn't twist back around. So it gave up that, that, that edge, that kind of stuff comes with chemistry, but there's other times where you gotta, you gotta scheme something up where you're going to put these guys in the right spots that they're able to make these plays and I think that they've overcomplicated things with Micah Fitzpatrick to the point that now he's not able to make those plays and other guys are getting a little bit more confused they're playing slower in the in, in the Steelers defense and that's not what they, this team has to play fast hit hard you know be, be aggressive set the tone as a defense and you know there's been plays where they've done it but there hasn't been a whole game where they've done it yet yeah and you take Cam Hayward out of the equation uh you're taking Micah Fitzpatrick out of the equation yourself and against a team that was able to run the ball and stay on schedule and didn't need to get into deep drop passing, didn't need to get into obvious passing downs because of the game situation, it takes T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith out of the equation, and that's how you end up with zero splash plays on defense. And they just are not consistently stopping offenses enough to live on that. They have to get splash. If you have the Steelers as a fantasy defense this week, you got a big goose egg. No sacks, no fumbles, no interceptions. That's They can't live like that, but they're taking their own playmakers out of the equation. That's not helping matters. 
it's not helping matters. That I think is a big issue the Steelers have to address. And Mike Tomlin said need changes. I don't think he just meant on offense. I think he was also talking about things that the way that and that's a change that it should defense. be should yeah. be easy to enact in the middle of the season. Right? Actually, these are things exactly. we've done. These are things we've done before. We're just going to go back to doing them again. That's one of the easiest changes you can make as a t- football team in season. Well, it'll be something to be watching for on Sunday when they play the Ravens, if that change is made. we got to get to our stars and skull grades. We'll do that right after the break here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Chris Carter and Alan Saunders. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime.co, where buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They give you killer deals on last-minute tickets, even with even sometimes if you're if you're running late to an event and you haven't bought tickets yet, even up to after an hour after it started, you can get tickets through GameTime, an app you can download right to your phone, and they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat. Download the GameTime game time app today, and it allows you to book tickets up to the last minute, and you'll get exclusive flash deals on anything. These are football games, basketball games, baseball games hockey games you know uh, uh, music, concerts comedy events theater events anything like that game time is going to help you find it in the place near you and it's not just in pittsburgh it's everywhere so go to game time right now download the app go to game time go to their website and you'll see that their best price guarantee shows you that if you find tickets in the same section of row for less somewhere else at the same event that you're at game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase or go to their website GameTime.co. Terms of distance apply. Create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Alan, it's time to get to the stars and skulls. Great. You Let's mean the just skulls get... and skulls. Yeah, ba- skulls basically. Skulls. Yeah. As, as I said, this is going to be a graveyard. But I, I comb through film. I go over things. I did have some stars to give out minimally. Uh, yeah. There are no three stars. Obviously, that's not happening. I did have one two star. Can you guess who that was? Nazi Harris. Correct. Simply because there were a lot of those runs. He should not have made that. There were, that catch should not have been made. Najee Harris was the one thing that kept the Steelers' offense in it throughout the game. I give him credit for doing that, um, and I think that he did a really good job. Jalen Warren had some nice runs here, and then a good big blitz pickup. But there were also some, some plays he didn't make the right read on the run, and there was a play he fumbled in the backfield when he got blasted. And again, it was an assist. It, two. I forgot. You're right. Um, but again, those are plays that necessarily I don't put a whole lot of weight on Jalen Warren being bad in in the game because he's getting blasted behind the line of scrimmage so actually i don't even give jalen warren a skull in this game i just think he didn't earn a scar because of those he was there because i I think i don't think he should be punished for those situations we'll have who should be punished later uh my one stars my one stars here really quick to get them out the way alex highsmith for generating the pressure that he did tj watt also generated pressure isaac salamalo and i felt like this was Mason Cole's best game so far. I, mean, I thought Mason Cole had been getting his butt kicked a lot uh, th- this this season. I thought this was the game that he stood out the most to me, to at least be making be making a difference in some of the run plays. The rest of the offensive line, not as much. We'll get to them. Uh, and then Chris Boswell because he made his field goals. I'd add Brad Wing to this group. I think ah, he – You know what? I should have added him. I apologize to Brad Wing. solid. Um, I think a, a point to make about Mason Cole um, – 
played the first game with Nate Harburg at right guard in place of James Tack, James Daniels, lose Dan Moore on the first drive of the game. Roger Jones plays the rest of the game. There were no obvious missed calls or free rushers Agreed. where the offensive line screwed up in this game. Now, guys get beat, but there was no like, oops, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him kind of moments with two new guys in that offensive line. I give Mason Cole the credit for that. Uh, and I thought they run blocked. I didn't, I didn't think they pass protected very well, but I thought they run blocked about as well as they have, uh, especially on the inside. They did some new stuff with the trap game that I haven't seen a lot of so far. Let's say Malu looked good there as an athlete kind of moving a little bit. So I agree with all those. I'm not sure there's anybody else that belongs in that list. Um, but, but I thought all those guys did some good things. So let's get to the skulls here. We're going to start with our one skulls in this segment. We'll get to our two and three skulls in the, in the next segment. But like I said, it's a graveyard. There's a lot of skulls. We got one skull grades all over the place. I got Minka Fitzpatrick, Broderick Jones, Pat Frymuth, George Pickens, Marcus Golden, Armin Watts, Levi Wallace, Chan Shannon Sullivan, Larry Ogunjobi, Keanu Neal, and Quan Alexander. And this is just for the one skull grades against the Texans. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick, I wouldn't have put too much on like this is not the, the pass interference call doesn't weigh into that because that was a terrible call. But there were some spots I felt like he could have been better in. There was a play. There was a play that he was that he was targeting. He kind of let a, a player get loose. And I felt like there were times that he could have made plays that he didn't. He didn't have a terrible game. He wasn't the biggest factor for that was wrong for the Steelers. I just didn't feel like he had his best game. Same thing kind of with Broderick Jones here. And I want to get your thoughts on Broderick Jones, Allen. Not that he, I didn't think he had a terrible game because the sack that Kenny got hurt on. I thought that that was on Kenny running outside of Broderick Jones. He had his man sealed off, but there were just more plays that I saw of Broderick Jones where I didn't, I thought he could have been better in finishing the play. I thought he was getting really good starts. He was getting out of his stance well and engaging the guys well, but sometimes losing them by not following with his feet. And I felt like that was his biggest mistake. What was your read on Broderick Jones first real and like long-term throughout a game NFL action? It's pretty much what I expected. I didn't think it was very good polished i thought he showed yeah. promise promise um right. but 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 not polished and that's kind of what i expected there was a lot of like well that was good and that was bad like on almost every yes. rep you know you yes. can kind of say like oh this is nice okay we got to work on this and i think a, you know, a game like that will be really good for him it gives him lots of tape to learn from I didn't see anything that stood out to me as like a big red flag. I probably would have leaned towards just neutral for him, just given my expectations for a rookie who wasn't expected to play. Um, you know, like he, he didn't prepare with the first team all week. I thought he very was, true. I thought he was okay. I would have been okay with 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 leaving him off the skulls list. Um, Pat Farmuth, the blocking, not not terrible. Good. Just terrible. just not good at all. And you know, I don't know how much of of him not being a factor in the passing offense you can really put to him because I think a lot of it is scheme. I think a lot of it is Kenny Pickett, but you know, he he ha he hasn't been up until the injury. And if you're a tight end that's not blocking and you're not catching balls, what are you uh, what are you doing? And, and I, the one the I almost gave him two two stars, but or two skulls, excuse me. But the one thing when he when he the one play when he caught the ball and he ran over that guy I was like, all right. You you kind of you did something there, and it and it all, it did kind of also charge up the offense for a little bit. Like there was some there was some confidence shown in there. So I gave him one skull for this, but I mean as a blocker, he was he's supposed to be better. This is his third year. He he needs to be stronger at the point of attack. I gotta wonder if that chest injury he had earlier this year is something that's maybe impacting his blocking ability uh, because it's been a significant downgrade from where he was a year ago, and you don't usually see that, but uh, certainly not good enough. 
I'm right with you there. George Pickens, I gave a skull because that that touchdown he should have hauled in against a linebacker. And yes, uh, Tuolo did a great job, you know, putting his arm in the right spot, but you're, you're supposed to be the guy. You got to make that play there. I also felt like he didn't run as hard as he could have run in some of his routes, which is from some of the tape that I've been able to see. Um, I think he needs to be better there, but let's, let's look at the defense here because there's a lot of guys in the defense here. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick, but Marcus Golden, limited snaps, but there were times I felt like he needed to be better in his space, to, I mean, more of a, a wily veteran than he was. Armin Watts didn't see him making a difference up front. Neither did I see Larry Ogunjobi. Levi Wallace, I give a break to not giving him multiple skulls because I think that he actually had two breakups in this game. The touchdown, I'm not sure if that was entirely his fault. It looked like someone was supposed to be there and wasn't uh, on, on the zone that he gave up. Shannon Sullivan, again, limited snaps, but... I saw plays where he was supposed to be like that aggressive slot corner who could at least run to the right spot and get in the way. And he wasn't doing that. So he gets a skull. Same thing with Keanu Neal. I felt like there were time, there was a couple plays that he did make, but there were also more plays. I felt like he could have been stronger on as I felt about Quan Alexander. Yeah. Levi Wallace's touchdown. One of three things that happened, either Levi completely screwed it up or somebody lined up in the wrong place or there was some kind of miscommunication, right? I, one of those three things happened. Like, I, I just don't know which it was. Armin Watts uh, missed tackle on the uh, uh, CJ Stroud run to the goal line. Yeah. yeah. Was bailed out by the review. Uh, and then they, you know, end up, ends up leading to that ridiculous Minka penalty. But uh, you can't miss that tackle when you have the quarter, your arm around the quarterback like that. Uh, I, Neil and Alexander, I feel like when we're talking about that, that sort of, chess match with with the personnel like one of those guys needed to step up yeah and do more than maybe like their piece of the normal role is like they either needed Quan alexander to cover more or keanu neal to tackle more to, in order to combat what houston was doing to them and neither of them were really able to step up uh and and meet that challenge and i think that's one of the reasons why the defensive scheme fell apart so uh definitely agree with highlighting those guys larry Ogunjobi. uh I, I didn't see any like egregious bad, but just not enough impact for a guy who's supposed to be the best player on the defensive line. I, I And that's the thing was that this was a game where he could have stepped up and been the guy that changed the line of scrimmage. They said, hey, young guys, follow me uh, in that situation. He did not. And there were some plays I felt like he got pushed back a little bit more than he should have. That's why I gave him only one skull because he wasn't terrible. But there are plenty of guys I gave two skulls and a few guys I gave three skulls. We'll get to them on the other side of the break here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Chris Carter, Alan Saunders continuing our week four grades. But first, before we do any of that, I want to remind you guys, this show is also sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in all of America. And with football season well underway, they've got a great promotion on right now. If you're a new customer to FanDuel, when you sign up, you can bet $5 and you'll get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. That means you win or lose on your first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook, you're getting $200 back in bonus bets. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and even more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Alan, 
We're going to get to my two skulls and three skulls grades. So be patient if you don't see someone on the two skulls, because they're probably on the three skulls. Though there aren't that many on the three skulls, but you'll, you'll get the point here. Let's go with the two. Two skulls here. I put Kenny Pickett here because, and this is where I was saving time to talk about the offense. Allen, I, I just felt like Kenny Pickett looked out of sorts. All the progress I thought we were seeing against the Browns, against the Raiders, it's like none of that mattered. Because he wasn't keeping his eyes downfield. He wasn't processing. He was panicking. He was leaving clean pockets. And not all the pockets he left were clean. There were certainly times where he got pressured and the offensive line wasn't great in this game. I'm not saying that that's the case. But I am saying that I expected him to be better against a Texans defense he they shouldn't have been fearing. No. Texas defense without Denzel Perryman and without uh, Derek Stingley. Who like, might, and, and Tavier Thomas. Like yeah. three starters uh, out of that, that Texans defense. Um, I'll say this about Pickett. I feel better about him still than I did the San Francisco game because I did not see, I, I saw accurate throws. I mostly saw the ball going where I wanted. There was a one where Calvin Austin kind of ran a janky route and it missed him by like three yards. I'm not really sure which of those guys I want to blame for that one. But other than that, I think the ball was mostly getting to where Kenny was intending to get it there. So that's kind of the one reason I would agree with two star, two skulls as opposed to three. Yeah. Uh, but the processing part of his job, the reading, the, the feeling, the rush, knowing when to stay in the pocket, when to step up, when to bail, and finding open guys. I mean, it, it was, it's a struggle. And, um, you know, there. look – I don't think the Steelers' offensive scheme is blameless here. I, I think they, they run a lot of stuff that's not particularly creative. They run a lot of plays and concepts that I don't really love. But it is really hard to point all the fingers at the offensive coordinator when you go back and look at the tape and see yeah. guys running wide, wide, wide open, open yeah. over and over and yeah. over again, and the quarterback can't find them. And the rookie on the other side is doing the same thing and making it look easy. Yep. And, and that's, you know, like that. Like, I, I just, it's, and I'll say this, uh, I, I think the, the biggest criticism of Matt Canada that's real is Kenny Pickett is not playing well. I, I feel yeah. like that is the thing to hold him responsible exactly. for, as opposed to like, oh my God, he called a pass on fourth and one. Yeah, no, no, no crap. So did the Texans, like, Mm. That's a very good point, Alan, that everyone's complaining about that fourth down they call. They the exact same thing. Now, it didn't work for them either. I don't think it's a good call either way. It's just not some sort of, like, egregious, fireable fence. Like, it's nothing. Oh, it's my like, God. No coordinator weird. would ever do that. It happens in the NFL five All times time. a weekend. Like, whatever. I don't like the call, but, like, it's not like it's some kind of – in fact, Calvin Austin on that very play is wide open 15 yards down the middle of the field. Connor Hayward is wide open two yards in front of the field. There's nobody. But, I mean, we all talk about, like, oh, Canada won't throw the ball in the middle of the field. Like, Calvin Austin is them up to be there. Dotted up in the middle of the defense, wide open. I understand there's a little bit of pressure. Sam Waller was a little bit late getting over to his guy, but he did get there. He does make the block. He knocked him down. All Pickett needed to do was take a little step up. Listen, and, like, I'm not beating up Kenny. Like it's easy for me right. to say that from the press box. Like it's harder right. to do that. It's a but hard that job. Is the job that, that, and all that stuff. Yeah. That is the job that they need him to do. That is what he needs to be able to do. He needs to be able to feel that rush better, feel the opening to step up in the pocket, make that throw to Calvin Austin. And look, as bad as the rest of these guys played and as bad as the coaching staff was and the scheme was, and all these skull grades were deserved. 
if he completes that pass to Calvin Austin, they go down there and score a touchdown. I put money on the Steelers winning that game. They, they put, yeah, exactly. Because he don't get hurt. The Steelers are vibing. They're they're feeling it. The Texans are feeling pressure, and they're like, "Crap, this offense actually has to do something now." There's no pressure. The crowd's going to turn that. on them because it's half exactly. Steelers fans anyway. Yeah, like they. I feel good about them winning that game if they score a touchdown on that drive, a hundred percent. And I, so I'm right. I'm right with you. And look, look, that's what like I said. What I said about Terrell Austin. I think you've talked about Matt Canada's failures in this game and the and the scheme's failures. We've talked about it. It's not great. I, I I ripped Mike Tomlin. I, I'm as critical as, as I've ever should. been of as him uh, yeah. uh, at com the yesterday morning. All that being said, this game was winnable, and and I think number eight probably owns most of it. I will say I agree with two skulls instead of three, just because I think his mechanics looked better and he was more accurate than he was earlier in the season. But the processing has to be better, and he got it, himself it, hurt. Like that's like the ultimate. Yeah. That's the ultimate. The, the negative there is that literally he is responsible for his own injury here. Absolutely, and my other thing here, man, um, and, and it's more to your point, what you said right there, Matt Canada. I think people are spending too much time blaming him for the things that aren't the biggest problem here because there are open wide receivers and over the middle part of the field. That and that's what that's what frustrates me so much. And people will take one play and say, "Oh, look, there wasn't anyone open here." Yeah, but there's about like seven other that there were, and they weren't taken in this situation. But if you really want to put something on Matt Canada, you could say. Why isn't Kenny seeing these things? You got to get him to look at these things. And if he can't help the young quarterback figure that out, it's different when it's a vet. A veteran needs to figure that out on their own. Like, you know, if you've been in the NFL, you know, eight plus years, that's on you. You got to be able to see that. I don't, I don't need to hold your hand. But a young quarterback, you do. And that's where Matt Canada isn't doing the job, in my opinion. And if he, and if he does it's it's the part of the job he's never done. It's exactly. the one reason. It was the, it was the number the one reason to not bring him back is that he's yeah. never done this. He's never developed a quarterback. And I don't know if he can. You know, I feel like Mike Tomlin can fix this defense. Do you know why I feel like Mike Tomlin can fix this defense? He's done it before. Yep. Uh, okay, that is a big part of, of that. That's what you're saying. If it's a veteran quarterback who's done it before, you should expect him to be able to do it. And, you know, I think a more impactful way for them to fix this offense, everybody wants to hear Matt Cannon has been fired as offensive coordinator. I think they got to bring in a quarterback coach. I think they need to bring someone in that can get number eight right before you go change so the not, play. So you can't change your offensive scheme right now. You You're stuck you with most of the plays you got. Okay. I agree. You can't do it. Could you call them in a better order? I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. Okay. But, but, Fixing number eight is more important than all that. Anyway, it's the part that they're failing at. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so the biggest saying, deal. So you're saying Mike Sullivan is, is the, is, is the guy, is the guy you look at here. Is am I, 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 listen, I'm not involved enough in the dynamic to say like, right. it's his fault. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's you are saying he's just yeah. so dumb that he can't learn versus it's all Matt Canada. Like, I don't know. Nobody knows, but I know that if it is Mike Sullivan, that's lacking in this arrangement, that is a person that can be replaced right now. The other yeah, two guys, true. you can't, okay? You can't really change your offensive scheme in the middle, and you're certainly not going to change the quarterback. That's the only one of those three pieces where you can change horses midstream and actually come out on the other side okay if you end up hiring an upgrade. I'm right with you there. So, look, look at great minds, you think alike. That, that's, that's, what's, that's what's happening there on the offense. Let's get to these other two skulls here. DeMarvin Leal, Montrevious Adams, simply because – I, I, they just they were getting pushed, and Leal made like a couple plays. But like when I was the majority of the game, they're just getting bullied back down. I, I keep banging the table, and I don't want to bang this table because literally my camera will fall right here, and it does all the time. Whenever I'm like, whenever got, I'm like frustrated about something, I got, I got 
Fink. Bang the table. Why is it Brayden Fajoko seeing? And he snaps. It's driving me nuts. I don't understand it. Is he, is he, we've seen him play in the NFL. It'd be different if he was a rookie coming out of like, like, you know, Alabama State. And we were just like, oh, that guy looks like, he, like if it was Dan McCullers as a rookie, I get that. We, we don't know it. We've seen this guy play in the NFL. There's one thing that you're struggling at mightily more than everything else on defense. There's one thing that he's good at. What is the problem? And that's another major criticism I have for Mike Tomlin. I'd be like, yo, I don't care what Carl Dunbar says. I'm putting that guy in there because these guys are getting blown off the ball by five yards. I'm ranting. I'm sorry about that. I love it. And no, you know what? Everything you said. And also, that is the worst offensive line you could possibly put Stop together playing. to play an NFL game. They will never they they will never face an offensive line that bad the exactly. whole rest of the year. And it might be a half a decade before they face another offensive line that Agreed. bad. Agreed. They made Kendrick Green look like a friggin' pro bowler. And like yeah. I think Steelers fans have been a little bit unfair to him, but he's certainly in as good as they made him look. So every guy on that defensive line deserves it. Next. Move Next. on to the threes. Three stars. Now, I know people are probably thinking they're like 43 st- three stars with three skulls, but we've gotten through a lot of skulls. So these are the guys I felt had the absolute worst games for the Steelers. Cole Holcomb, Patrick Peterson. Peterson, that touchdown he gave up the end, Nico Collins. Ooh. I was just like, oh, boy. Like, that, that that was as big of an indictment of the unit. Just put in Joy Porter Jr. out there as, as I've seen. Um, you know, as bad as Levi Wallace getting toasted in, in week one and again in week two. Um, but, and also the, the running back touchdown where it's like, he, he wasn't sure if he was supposed to come up and help in the run, but he didn't come up and help in the run that he didn't come up, but go back and help in the past. So it's like, literally you put yourself on no man's land and didn't help. And you guys got embarrassed by a halfback pass touchdown play. And then you gave up the next touchdown, Patrick Peterson. And I, I, I think that the, there's certain things he's been blamed for that weren't his fault this game. That was definitely the case. Uh, and I, and I was, it was funny. It was leading up to that drive. I was like, you know, Patrick Peterson has been bad today. And then he gave up those two touchdowns. I was like, I'm, I, I need to not say that ever again. <laughs> in, in, in his, you know his- what, though? I kind of don't think he was that good in the beginning of the game either. They were running at him. Like, this is a guy we That's talked a about. He like, was going to miss tackle. Hey, and that was hey maybe, yeah. maybe he could play some slot corner. Maybe he could yeah. play free safety. Guess what you got to do to play slot corner and free safety? Tackle. Tackle. And he didn't Haven't seen tackle. enough of it from him. No, they ran right at him all game, and uh, it was it was an issue from the beginning. I, I thought, you know, deserves that. I will say this. I think you're right on, though, where this is a lot of ones, two skulls. There were not that many just egregiously bad individual performances. It was as of a team loss as you can have in that I think the coaching staff and the scheme owns Agreed. a lot of this. Okay, mm-hmm. I think a lot of players were put in poor positions. Like, I noticed you, you don't have a Landon Roberts on here, despite him – flailing about in coverage at times i don't really think that's landon roberts fault like if you told demarvin leal to go cover wide receivers he wouldn't be any good at it either like that like i don't know that's not on on a player for me i I think it was more about the scheme and more about the team than it was about like like somebody tweeted at us like oh somebody gonna get a four skull grade for this as badly as they played i don't think any individual player there was no bus ticket grade i'll say that right they're right. There's nobody that should. There's nobody that should be cut from this game. There's nobody that should be just should be should be sent away. Like, I think it was more about team failures than it were about individual failures. So the the aggregate of the grades is gonna look worse than the individual. You know, like there's not many passing grades, but but there's no there's no zeros either. You know, it's just like a whole bunch of D students. I'm right with you. My last three skull grade 
is Cole Holcomb. Of all the linebackers, I almost gave Landon Roberts a skull. But yeah, when I look back, one would have been okay. But like he, he actually he made like some really good run stuffs in this game. Yeah, he was like the one yeah. linebacker I thought was getting up there. So I gave him a neutral grade. Cole Holcomb, yeah. though, man, he was getting pancaked by wide receivers. He was getting he was running all over the place, looking like he didn't know where he was supposed to go. I there were plays where they again there were plays where he was the guy who was in position when they pitched it outside. They had two guys crack down on TJ Water, Alex Highsmith. And it's up to Cole Holcomb to be the linebacker that works in that space. And if you don't make the tackle, blow up the blocker so someone else can. And he wasn't doing that. And he was getting blocked by wide receivers and tight ends. He had to be better in this game. I felt like he deserved a three-skull grade. Getting decimated by screen passes, it's probably your linebacker's fault. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Period. And he was on there for most of them. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. he was the guy that was looking lost, um, you know, on, on a lot of those plays. So, uh, again, there's a lot of blame to go around. Cole Holcomb, Patrick Peterson, right at the top of the list there for the Steelers, as are a lot of guys. There we are. We've gotten through the graveyard. We hope we haven't spooked you out on this this this, this month of October uh, with our graveyard. Let's Who knows? not we keep have... the theme up, eh? Like, let's, yeah. let's see. <laughs> we don't need let's to get all the way to Halloween like this. Like, we, yeah. we can change it up. Trust me, if we, if we do get to Halloween like this, this show is going to be changing a lot with what we're talking about. But point being, there's a lot of bad stuff. But, Alan, last thought here, last question I have for you here, and this is separate from the grades. I know that there's a lot of people down about the Steelers right now, just like they were down at the Niners game, and they deserve it. Like, the Steelers, they're not proven. But tell me that, this, that playing the Ravens right after this at home isn't a game where they can absolutely they, they, they can win and everyone's going to be like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. And then we're going to keep doing this roller coaster thing all season long where when they lose, everything's terrible. When they win, everything's great. And then we're just and it, it, we deal with this hyperbole every single week because I feel like that's what's going to happen here is it's going to be a stupid, ugly game. They're going to beat the Ravens barely. And then everyone's going to be like, wait a second, we're in first place in the division. This is awesome. And it's not a good team yet, but. This is, again, they have the makings that they can get there if they do the right things. I think they can win games. And I think, you know, a lot of what you saw in that game was a team that is just really, really bad at playing from behind, both on offense and defense. defense. They lose their splash on defense when they can't make teams pass against them. And offense, they especially – with the personnel, with missing two two of their better pass blocking offensive linemen, missing Deontay Johnson, missing Pat Fryermuth, maybe missing Kenny Pickett. Like they just are not going to be a good passing offense. It doesn't matter what place you call or where you put the rest of those guys. They have to be able to run the ball, but they have to stay engaged in the game. They can't be playing whole games down two scores. So, like, you know, this is a game that kind of gets away. Like the Steelers lost this game in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And you know, like the final score gets worse than that that 13-point deficit. But really, it was over then because they couldn't find a way to overcome that consistently enough. We saw them try. They get close. They get down to the fourth and one. They can't make the play. Just not enough talent in the passing offense and not enough consistency in the run defense to stop teams from putting away a game like that and to come back in a game like that. But that doesn't mean that if a game plays out by a completely different script that they couldn't be good. Like if they get into a game where they intercept the ball on the first play of the game and return it for a touchdown, play from ahead the whole whole way, oh, now all of a sudden I feel a lot better about their chances because they are much better uh, in those areas. We did say they ran, they, blo- they run blocked well. Najee Harris played well. Like there are paths to success, even yep. 
playing as poorly as they did in that game, and they can certainly be a lot better than that. So I don't feel like this is a place in this season or with this team where drastic is called for. Like, this is not a like, oh, all hope is gone. Just play the kids. We'll get them in 2024. Like, I, I'm, I don't think we're even close to that. I think this is a team that's going to be frustrating for a lot of people to watch, but I think they're going to be in it for a long time because I think there are, are certainly games that they can win, including this one. Even without Kenny Pickett, I, I think this is a very winnable game for the Steelers. It, even in despite the play, the poor play last week. I'm right with you there. There's a lot more to break down here. Mike Tomlin's Tuesday press conference is today. If you're, if you're watching this about on Tuesday, it's about to be lit. It's about to be. There's about a lot of things that's about to get said in this press conference. We'll see what happens there. He's Alan Saunders from SteelersNow.com. Alan, let people, let people know where they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. At a Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter, at PGH Steelers Now, SteelersNow.com is where all the words live. Uh, Steelers Now Plus, uh, 10% off at the promo code Allen10, 10% off a subscription. For the Locked On listeners in my podcast, you can find it at the Steelers Now YouTube page, Steelers Afternoon Drive with me and Zachary Smith. We'll be on after Mike Tomlin talks to break it all down. Check it out. Locked On in the morning, afternoon drive in the afternoon. Let's do it. Sounds like maybe a great we'll combination. Have, maybe, we'll have, maybe we'll have Carter on this week. Or maybe we'll I keep saying, why don't you just bring me on every week? I'm happy to do it. You're on here every week. Why don't you just invite me? Ah! We like to tease our, our, our viewers a little bit more. We're, all right, all right, you better tease. You better stop teasing me. I like talking with y'all. Dang it. Anyways, he's Alan Saunders. Follow him at A Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter and, and all, all the other places. I'm Chris Carter, host of the Lockdown Steelers podcast, writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com. Find me, find me here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast every day, Monday through Friday, as well as our bonus content on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes. We're back again tomorrow talking about what Tomlin said and give us giving us some outlook before we start taking a closer look at the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see you here, right here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. 